Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. So this week, I got a double question about a two-year-old who's both screaming and having some difficulty at bedtimes, getting in bed, staying in bed, falling asleep, plus a question about a six-year-old who's really struggling with listening both at home and at school. So let's get right to these. First question, Colleen wrote, hi, I have a question about any tips on handling toddler screaming. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old, 13 months apart. I know that some fighting, taking of toys, etc., is inevitable, but the little one who is two and two months keeps screaming when he gets mad. When our older one threw fits like this, I would put him in a big chair in the living room and tell him he needed to calm down. I would ask that he let me know when he's ready for me to come talk, when he is calm enough to listen. Then we would talk about the appropriate reaction, what he could do if he were frustrated or needed help. I've been trying to do this with the little one, but I'm usually down the hall since we recently moved and the layout is different, and run to grab him quickly to set him aside in either their room, if that's where they're playing, or bring him back out to the couch if they're in the hall or the living room. Thomas, our two-year-old, will make faces and sort of sassy, silly noises at me when I try to talk to him. He has learned the proper responses, so eventually he will parrot them back but it just keeps happening. Also, I think that I'm a little emotionally worn down, so I'm not speaking as calmly as I should be to him, but in a more of a commanding voice. I think it might be a bit of a short-temperedness due to sleep deprivation, since nighttime has been really rough since moving to our new house, and the floor beds for the two of them in the same room. They were in cribs in the same room at our old house. Nap time has finally smoothed out since I started putting Thomas down first, but bedtime is still so rough. It has been taking them one and a half to two hours to settle down and go to sleep. After the getting ready part, the diapers, the jammies, the teeth, the books, turn on their white noise app and a song and prayer in their bed. Tried a few times putting Thomas down first at night, but it takes him much longer to go to sleep and I can't wait that long to put Harvey down. Harvey is our three-year-old and has been needing a lot of attention at night lately and will act out just to get a reaction and keep them both awake. I listened to your podcast about the twin boys and the older brother the other day, and I tried one night to just say, it's time to lay down again and again, but I just lose steam, especially when I'm doing it by myself when my husband is traveling. It's always a little different when he's home. I guess the second part of this question is, do you think it's worth trying to put Thomas down first at night for a good while or trying the it's time to lay down method for both of them? Thank you, Colleen. So these are a couple of different 
bigger issues. So I'm going to touch on both of these and some go-to strategies and a plan for each of them. But when parenting is feeling overwhelming, I recommend parents to find a starting point for focusing on one area at a time. Then when that starts to improve, you'll have more energy and focus to tackle the next problem. So we have two issues here, the screaming and the reactions and the bedtimes. So I'm going to start with the bedtime since this is where I would focus more intently first. And I'm not saying ignore the screaming, but I'll share more why. And as I talk about both of these, it'll become more clear as well as I will give some tips on dealing with that as well. So for bedtimes, with this one and a half to two hours, that's a long time to get settled down. And that will wear down any parent, especially given that we're already tired by bedtime. So the first thing you want to look at is the overall sleep schedule. Kids should be tired and ready to fall asleep by bedtime. Now, of course, the testing the bedtime boundaries is a normal part of toddlerhood. But once you get the boundaries set around bedtime and they know that they need to stay in bed, then they should be falling asleep within 20 to 30 minutes at the most. Some kids will hit the pillow and fall asleep within a few minutes, but it's pretty normal for it to take 15 up to 30 minutes. After that, that's just too long. So what we want to see and work towards is we're doing bedtimes. Our kids are staying in their rooms, in their beds. They can chat to themselves. They can play with their stuffies that they have in their beds, that type of thing. But then they should be falling asleep. You can totally expect this from a two-year-old staying in their bed, chatting to themselves, singing a couple songs, falling asleep within that 20 to 30 minutes at the most. Staying in the room is a behavioral issue. It's a boundary issue, learning that when mom and dad put me in bed, it's bedtime. So once you have this fixed, then if your child is staying in bed but they're not falling asleep, this is a sleep schedule issue. So you're probably having a little bit of both here. So I'm going to touch on the sleep schedule issue right now. Two-year-olds should be getting 12 and a half to 13 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. That doesn't change much at age three. For age three, it's 12 hours on the low end and 13 on the high end. If your child is struggling to fall asleep at night, then it means the nap is too long or it's going too late. So work on shortening or pushing the nap time earlier. For moving sleep times, whether it's naps or bedtimes, you want to do this in 15-minute increments about every three days. So a typical schedule might look like this. Let's say bedtime is at 7.30. They're asleep by 7.45 to 8. They sleep until 7 a.m. That's 11 hours from 8 to 7, 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. Then the nap would be 1 to 2 hours for a 3-year-old or 1 and a half to 2 hours for a 2-year-old. If your toddler's sleeping 7.30 p.m. to 6 a.m., that's 10 and a half hours, then they should be sleeping 2 to 3 hours for a nap. If your toddler is not falling asleep until 9.30 and then waking up at 8.30 a.m., and then not napping until 2 and then sleeping until 4 or 4.30, you're pushing into that nighttime sleep and then the schedule really needs to shift backwards during the day, which is why you'd be having trouble with that nighttime getting to bed earlier. So this is where you have to really assess your individual situation and you need to adjust it accordingly. Take the full amount of time they should be sleeping, figure out what type of schedule they're on right now and where it needs to shift. If it's too much time during the nap and they need less during the nap and more overnight so they're tired at bedtime, you have to kind of figure that out and then you have to shift it around accordingly. I recommend parents get young kids to bed no later than 7.30. By young kids, I mean 
four, five, or under. So they can be asleep by eight. Parents really need the downtime in the evenings to unwind, to get some time to themselves, and sometimes just to get some things done without having to be on duty. But if you get quiet mornings with kids sleeping in and this works for you, that's fine too. But parents should be getting some quiet time each day and bedtimes should not be a battle. Now for the next part of the question is how to handle the getting the bedtime behavior under control with two toddlers and how to go about that. So I would divide and conquer however you can. And so yes, I would recommend putting one child down first. If you fixed any scheduling issues, then the child going down first, in this case Thomas, would be falling asleep rather quickly. It works well because you can be doing some bedtime routine with the second child while the first child is falling asleep once they learn to stay in their rooms and stay in their bed. I know we commonly recommend doing some bedtime routine in the bedtime, and if you can do the last part in there without disturbing the other child, that's great. But if not, then doing some reading or songs in your bedroom or somewhere else, and then doing the last tuck-in in the kids' room, hugs and kisses, that's fine too. I just want to reiterate, I wouldn't do the mantra method. The mantra method is walking them back to the room saying it's bedtime with them both at the same time, especially when you're alone. This is setting them up to tag team against the single parent, and they will run you ragged, and except for the most disciplined and stubborn of parents, they'll likely outlast you. If there are two parents at home, then this can work. And you have to set this up ahead of time by having one parent assigned to one child or that each parent takes turns getting up and putting the kids back to bed. But if you're alone, this is a recipe for disaster. But I honestly recommend it's just easier to divide and conquer. Have one child at a time if there's one parent at home or two parents at home and working with that one child. Or you have one parent with one child who's in charge of getting that child back to bed while the other parent is working on bedtime with the other child. These are all kinds of options. Every situation is unique, of course. This is where the coaching comes in. When there's a lot of struggles, this is where I come in with parents and we come up with a plan together of the best way to attack these problems, to break them down, fix each piece one at a time. We come up with a plan, we work through it, see how it's working, come back, troubleshoot again, or, or work on the next issue. As far as the older one looking for attention, this is something you can work on during the daytime with some special time. If he gets his need met during the day, he's a lot less likely to push for this at bedtime. Now, I want to get to the other question, too, about the screaming, as well as the next question about the six-year-old not listening. So if you need more information on these things, the two classes I recommend for having tools for dealing with this behavior is special time and misbehaviors and solutions. These are both under the positive discipline section. Misbehaviors and Solutions talks about the reasons why children misbehave. There's reasons behind their misbehavior. They're looking for something, they're needing something, and it helps you troubleshoot what the reasons are and then gives the tips and techniques for those specific reasons for misbehavior. Also, obviously, the bedtimes classes, if you have younger child infants, also for toddlers and beyond, really helps fix these bedtime issues, get that bedtime behavior under control. Also talks about the scheduling, which I went into pretty detailed here, but if you really need it written down, we also have printouts in those classes. So it, there's printouts for what kind of typical sleep schedule might look like, what the nap times might look like when they drop their naps, all that you can print out. Those are available in those classes yourvillageonline.com. 
Okay, so I'm going to answer the second part of Colleen's question about working on the screaming and also answer Cassidy's question about an eight, a six-year-old not following directions both at home and at school when we get back after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back from the break, it's time to answer Colleen's question about working with the two-year-old who is screaming when he gets upset. So as we know, toddlers are notorious for these types of reactions, but the good news here is he's not hitting, he's not being physical in his reaction. So this is really good. When that's the case, we really do not need to get in there right away or figure out ways to keep kids separated when we can't be right there. So this relieves a lot of that pressure because he's not physically harming anyone or anything. So the first part is to understand what's going on at two. 
At two, toddlers' verbal skills are developing rapidly, but they're still really new. So of course, there's a wide range of normal with their verbal abilities. Now, girls tend to develop verbal skills earlier than boys, but also firstborn boys developed skills earlier than second or third or beyond born boys. So this may be why this was easier with your firstborn. Boys tend to struggle later or longer with communicating the communication skills, their needs, and their feelings. So we're going to think about verbal ability. And it's just starting out with single words, right? When they first start talking around a year, year and a half for some kids, asking for something, food, bottle, up, right? When they want to get up and just naming all kinds of things. They're going to start naming things, the ball, the dog, the bus, the table, Then they go to two-word phrases, then to sentences, right? Two, three-word phrases, descriptions. Expressing feelings means first we must be able to recognize our own feelings and then express them in words. So these are pretty advanced concepts. So the first thing for us parents, first thing for us parents is managing expectations of how well we expect our two, three-year-old, and even a four-year-old to express these advanced concepts. Once we realize that this is a little more advanced, then we can be more understanding and patient with the process. The first step is to work on emotional skills and development. And we do this by working on emotions vocabulary through books and games and sharing our own feelings, labeling their feelings. This teaches our youngsters about their emotions, what they feel like, and then a word that matches with them. When we do this during calm times, this is when they learn these things the best. This is why the books and the games and the descriptions of our own emotions and other people's emotions help them understand that the uncomfortable feeling is frustration or maybe anger or sadness. They understand these feelings. What is sadness, joy, surprise? They have a word to go with the feeling. Once they've developed this understanding, that's when they'll start to use it. So I talk about books and games in several previous podcasts, and there's so many. I can't remember the top off the top of my head which podcasts they are. But I do know that if you go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast slash toddler dash behavior. So that's yourvillageonline.com slash podcast slash toddler dash behavior. There's a form on that page. You can enter your email address and get a copy of our handout, which is a list of books about emotions. There's about 25 different books on there you can read to younger children. You can open up discussions about emotions when you read these books because you're doing this during calmer times. So that is one way to get that list of books. You can also see the classes on your developing toddler or your developing preschooler, the class on tantrums to learn not just all the books, the games, the other tips for helping kids build these emotional skills, but all the handouts with teaching and coaching young toddlers and preschoolers on social emotional skills and building this and the development of it, which will help them create much better reactions when they get upset. Okay, that one took a little longer than I thought, so I want to get right to Cassidy's question, and she wrote, 
I love your podcast so much and I look forward to every episode. Right now, I'm in a huge struggle with my six-year-old stepson. We are constantly getting calls from the school saying he doesn't follow directions. He does things he's not supposed to do. And now he is unable to use the hallway bathrooms and has to use the office bathroom because he acts crazy and jumps on the stalls. Also at home, he is constantly trying to sneak behind mine and his dad's back, trying to get on his dad's video games, which we told him countless times not to because they're not his games. And if he wants to play a game, he needs to ask and he can play one we have for him. He also is sneaking into the living room when we're asleep to watch TV. We feel so helpless right now that he isn't following directions and every consequence we give him is just not working. I don't know what to do anymore. I would love all and any advice you can give Cassidy. Okay, so this, especially this type of question is really when I wish I had a TV show and I could come in and help families through these struggles, both because it would be amazing to be able to work together to improve these situations, really set up a plan and work through those holes. But for now, what I have is the podcast. So I'm gonna do my best to work through this question this way. So Cassidy's question, it's just impossible to know from the description exactly what's happening here. Kids behave in certain ways to get their needs met. If the needs aren't being met in more positive ways, they will misbehave in order to get them met in other ways. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding of the expectations on the child's part. Sometimes it's exacerbated by individual differences and personalities. And I think that could also be contributing here. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. But I also have a hunch. So I have a hunch not just on that, but on another front. And that one is I'm wondering if the situation with the divorce or separation or whatever the case was with his dad and his mom is how much he's acting out because of feelings of inadequacy. This is where knowing a lot more of the full picture of his relationship now and as a history with each parent would come in really handy. So what this boy is definitely searching for is belonging. He wants to know he's loved and belongs. If you can fix that, a lot of this will go away. I know it's hard to be kind and loving and want to do nice things for a child when they're constantly acting out, but you need to figure out a way to get in there just a little bit, little by little, and really focus on those positives of his behavior. He needs to feel loved regardless of the behavior. So in other words, he shouldn't have to earn time at the park or one-on-one time of playtime, riding his bike, out on a walk, throwing a ball or have that taken away if he misbehaves because those types of experiences are what's craving. They're what he really needs to begin to get in and heal his feelings of inadequacy. So that's where I would start. Give him a lot of time for connecting. When you're playing with him, ask him lots of questions. Show a deep interest in his thought processes. What are we building? What is this over here? Which train should be in the front? Which one is your favorite? Why? Show an interest in him and in his interests. Second, you want to manage expectations. At six, if there are games out where he can get them that he likes or to the TV, especially if he's struggling with feelings of inadequacy, it's just an extra temptation of a place and a way to get attention. So the best way to handle this piece is to keep them out of reach. Keep the computer locked up where he can't get on it. You want to have a password on it. You want to make the game's password protected. Also the TV, there's a lot of things out there that you can put in place that will make 
make it so that if he turns on the TV, you can't watch between certain hours, he won't be able to get on it. So you want to set those boundaries super, super tight. You want to lock those down because when you're sleeping, obviously you can't be watching him. You're not going to be up and able to keep him from getting on the TV. So if you set it up with a device that keeps the television locked down between whatever time, 9 p.m. when you go to bed, 10 p.m. when you go to bed until 7 a.m. in the morning and he won't be able to get on, that takes care of that really easily. Technology can be a pain with kids, but also it can really help us regulate and set some boundaries. So this could solely be cries for attention, and once that's fixed, most if not all of these behavioral issues will go away. It also could be that he has some type of ADHD. Kids with ADHD have a lot of trouble with impulse control. It's not about attention, it's about wanting to do something and not having the ability to stop oneself from acting on it. But without really seeing him interact, knowing him a lot more, this is only a possibility you may want to explore as well. Only a professional psychologist, therapist, or psychiatrist can assess and diagnose with a full and proper assessment. If you do go for that assessment and he is in fact diagnosed, there's a lot of options for tools for working with him. Understanding, though, is always the first step. Once you know what you're dealing with, then you can problem solve it. So for setting positive, loving boundaries, raising cooperative, responsible kids, you want to check out any of the positive discipline classes. You want to focus on that positive as much as you can. And that keeps kids from needing to search for attention through negative means. You want to understand your child's development and support their development in all areas. Then the developing toddler or developing preschooler. Also the sleep and bedtimes classes for working on those bedtime issues. There's three or four different methods in those classes for fixing those. So you can find one that works for your family, for your situation. Of course, there's any and all of the 55 parenting classes on the website, yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.